Everyone, remain calm. Yeah, ooh, ah, that's how it always starts. And later there's running and screaming. Somebody talk to me, what is happening? Welcome to Jurassic World. You're listening to the Jurassic Park Podcast. You want to consult here or in my bungalow? <laughs> Hold on to your butt. Well, we're back. Hello and welcome to the 78th episode of the Jurassic Park Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Jost, and we're here to discuss all things Jurassic Park. In this episode, we've got some really cool news to cover, and we've got a great interview with Michael D. Black, the director of the recent LEGO Jurassic World short, The Indominus Escape. We had a great time chatting about how he brought that world to life, and some of his favorite moments during the production. Last week, I was on two other podcasts, Grim Grinning Hosts and I Know Dino, the Big Dinosaur Podcast. On Grim Grinning Hosts, we talked about Jurassic World, the exhibition, Nintendo at Universal, Disney Annual Passes, and Islands of Adventure's Superhero Island. Their show is a bit explicit, so just a warning in advance. I also recorded with I Know Dino about dinosaur and Jurassic-themed gift ideas for the holidays, and we also talked about Jurassic World, the exhibition. We recorded a crossover episode, so you'll hear them here in a few weeks. I'll put the links to those episodes in our show notes this week, so definitely go subscribe and give them a listen. They're both great shows. Now, this past week was a release of the newest Star Wars film, Rogue One, and I recorded a very long review slash analysis podcast with Hunter and Adam from Grim Grinning Hosts. You may be shocked, actually, to find out, but I can just as easily talk about Star Wars as I can about Jurassic Park, so make sure to go listen to that episode, uh, download it, subscribe, review. It really kind of makes me actually want to start a full-time Star Wars podcast. Uh, Anybody interested in that? Anyway, go check out that episode for a great look at Rogue One. Don't forget that there will be a fan meetup at the Franklin Institute for Jurassic World, the exhibition on January 7th, 2017 at noon. Myself, along with a bunch of other contributors from the podcast and other awesome members from the Jurassic community, will be meeting up at the exhibition in Philadelphia. Pick up your tickets for the noon time slot on January 7th and we'll tour around the exhibition together. But of course, don't forget we have a special promo code available to listeners of the podcast to use for Jurassic World the exhibition. Head to fi.edu or call the museum at 215-448-1200 to purchase tickets and use the code JWGENER to get $5 off daytime adult admission tickets to Jurassic World the exhibition. Limit four tickets per person. It includes general admission to the Franklin Institute and it cannot be combined with any other offer or discount. Upgrades are available on-site for IMAX and the 3D theaters, redeemable online, over the phone, or at the ticketing desk. Processing fees apply when ordering tickets in advance. This does exclude holidays, and it is valid through 4-19-17. Again, the promo code is J-W-G-E-N-E-R. Use it and let us know when you do. For now, let's get this episode started off with a bit of Jurassic news from around the world. 18 minutes and your company catches up on 10 years of research. Access rate program. Access security. These pictures were taken in hospital in Costa Rica 48 hours ago. I don't want to jump to any conclusions, but look. Boy, we hate being right all the time. But today, 
I guarantee it. So the big news this week was when we actually got an apparent confirmation by The Hollywood Reporter that Michael Giacchino is returning for the sequel to Jurassic World. Now, it wasn't a quote or anything, but we have to assume this news is correct and not just an assumption from The Hollywood Reporter. In an article about his work on Rogue One, they said, Giacchino took a break to speak with THR between Rogue One and his next geeky gigs, which include Marvel's Spider-Man Homecoming, War of the Planet of the Apes, the next Jurassic Park sequel, and Pixar's The Incredibles 2. So that seems to be our confirmation that Giacchino will be back. I, for one, am very excited as the Jurassic World score was pretty incredible to me. I really love the way he intertwined the new and the old and also created a ton of memorable new themes. I really appreciate Giacchino's use of the themes throughout the film, which actually expanded upon them even more so than Williams did for Jurassic films. I hope he continues incorporating the original score and even pushes more so to use the Lost World themes. Hopefully we get a proper interview from Mr. Giacchino sometime in the near future to learn more. If you want to read the article from THR, you can find the link within our show notes. Don't miss the new trailer for Jurassic Explorer, an upcoming fan-made game from the same crew that brought you the Jurassic World 3D project. This time it looks to have even more interaction and the ability to explore Isla Nublar like never before. The trailer can be found within our show notes and it features a voiceover from yours truly. So yeah, even more reason to check it out, obviously. Um, in the coming weeks we will have a great interview with Michael Pierce about the upcoming project, so I can't wait to get that one out to you. We'll keep you in the loop about the project and I'm sure you you won't want to miss it. Oh, there it is. There it is. The closest you will ever come to living dinosaurs. Jurassic World, the exhibition. Now open at the Franklin Institute. Based on one of the biggest blockbusters in cinema history. Don't miss this awe-inspiring event for the whole family. Only at the Franklin Institute. For tickets, visit fi.edu. And remember, if something chases you, run! Let's open up the doors to the Visitor Center, where I speak with Michael D. Black, the director of LEGO Jurassic World, The Indominus Escape. This week in the Visitor Center, I'm joined by Michael D. Black, director of the Lego Jurassic World short film, The Indominus Escape. How you doing, Michael? Pretty good. Awesome. Now, I, uh, I'm going to start you off with a question. You know, I've got a ton of questions about this Lego stuff, but uh, before we get into that, I'm going to ask you one question I ask everybody. So anybody listening probably already knows what's coming. Um, so if you were stuck in a kitchen with a velociraptor, just like in that first Jurassic Park scene, what would you do and would you make it out alive? Uh, I would imagine I would get eaten pretty quickly. <laughs> uh, I can't say that I would, uh, be as, as, a you know, spry as the, uh, as the kids from the film. And so, um, yeah, I, I'd, I'd probably be, be done pretty quick. <laughs> You know, I, I should have made an honest answer. <laughs> I should have made like a, a tally mark for all the uh, the times I've asked this question to see how many people actually just gave in and said, you know, I think I'm gonna die. It's not gonna it's I not mean, gonna work out. It's it's the most realistic response, right? I th I think so. Yeah, when you get a few of them in there and you're you're just stuck, I don't know. There's probably no chance. They got lucky. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, so let's get into it, I guess. Uh, what, what's your history, actually, with the Jurassic Park franchise from, you know, the viewing history, fandom, or your favorite film, or anything like that? Well, I actually, my, my first exposure was the book. Oh, um, yeah, true. You know, I, uh, I was uh, a very, I, I, I read at a very early age, and I was a very precocious reader, and um, I want to say I was in fourth or fifth grade when it came out. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just remember thinking that premise was like the coolest thing I'd ever heard. And so, um, you know, I convinced my mom to let her get me the book. And <laughs> I just, uh, I tore through it. It was, uh, it was awesome. And uh, so, uh, you know, having, having read the book, I was super excited for the movie. And um, I'm not even sure if, if at that point it was a, known that the movie was being made or, I mean, it probably was, but uh, who knows? Uh, but who knows if I knew it anyway? Yeah. But uh, you know, at least like knowing, oh, this movie's going to come out. I, you know, there was some pressure to to finish it. I think towards the end, and um, and I remember like you know having having read it and seeing my you know my, my parents were super cool. They they took me to the you know the midnight show um, when I was in like you know fifth or sixth grade, and uh, it was. Pretty, pretty formative, got to admit. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, something like this is, you know, for the certain age range, it's kind of life-changing for, for a lot of people. So, you know, I, I was maybe a few years earlier than you. Uh, you know, I was maybe seven or so when I first saw it. And my, I know my mom picked up the book first, too. And that's how, how it uh, in, was introduced to me. So that book is really vital, I think, to, to starting you, you know, fresh in this franchise. Yeah, totally. I mean, it, it was it was some, something that, you know, I think really, you know, it got people excited for like DNA and science and mm-hmm. and not just dinosaurs. There was a lot of uh, other cool, you know, aspects to it. And it was a, a very exciting book, uh, for sure. And it, it definitely uh, that's where I, I got my start with it. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm assuming is, you know, films like this kind of uh, influence you, I, I would assume. So is that uh, how you basically start, got your start in directing? Um, yeah, I mean, for sure. Like, I, I you know. <laughs> not not back think, when you were uh, like, you know, 10 or so, but. <laughs> no, no, actually, yeah, I, I, I think I think that was the case was that, you know, I remember as as, a, you know, a little kid, you know, being, you know, so so into like Star Wars and, you know. Um, Spielberg and and all all those you know those were those were my like my guys growing up and mm-hmm. um, I just I, I think I assumed from an early age I was like oh that's what I want to do I want to be like those guys and so so yeah I mean even even at ten I think I was I was that was pretty much all I ever wanted to do there was never any other question uh, for me and um, you know so I. I uh, you know, I, I moved to LA when I was about uh, 20 and uh, started working at a few different places and kind of worked my way up to this position. Yeah, you know, th- something about like all those people, you know, Steven Spielberg and the Star Wars and everything, it, it really hooks in and sinks in. And I think it's changed a lot of people's lives. So, you know, I could see that obviously you, you've, it's happened to you, it's happened to me. So it's something that uh, you see across the board with a lot of uh, fans of these types of franchises well and it's interesting too like i think we're we're kind of just starting to really see you know the the fruits of of you know that that those guys 
planted mm-hmm. uh, so long ago because, you know, this is, you know, like I, there was never a point in my life where Star Wars and, you know, E.T. and Close Encounters like didn't exist. And so, you know, for me, that was that was just normal. And I grew up with it. And I think, you know, there's a lot of filmmakers now. Um, I mean, most notably, you know, the uh, Gareth Edwards who's yeah. directing World <laughs> One, you know, I mean, that's like, you know, he was he's he's like my age so you know it's uh it's interesting to see like all of these people and it's kind of coming full circle with you know star wars in particular but you know jurassic world as well yeah i think uh there's kind of like you said there's like rounds of of different people that are into these things so you know you got the star wars group and now you're you're probably going to get on the jurassic park bandwagon pretty soon and you see a lot of people influenced by that in the film industry too definitely so, um, you know, bringing it back even just a little bit uh, back when you're probably introduced to Jurassic Park, um, I'm assuming, you know, Lego was probably something that was there for you as a kid. I mean, you know, a lot of us, it's just kind of in your life. So what has Lego kind of meant to you throughout your life? Yeah, it's really funny. Like, I think, um, you know, I remember somewhat having access to Lego and, and it, it just being more, you know, building you know, castles and, you know, whatever random things you could, you mm-hmm. could make. And, um, certainly isn't the, or wasn't the behemoth that it is today of, you know, <laughs> all the IPs that, that it's a part of and, you know, these, you know, giant sets that, you know, cost <laughs> outrageous amounts of money that, you know, you have to really, you know, kind of put, pump the brakes on to, to not go crazy with. Yeah. Um, I just bought a Rogue One set the other day, and it was oh, just, man. you know, it was like, uh, what am I gonna do? You can't help but, it. You uh, got it. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, yeah, like, I mean, to that end, it's it's something that you know I've always totally been into, and um, uh, you know, it's funny. Like, I've been working w- uh, with Lego for about eight years now, doing, uh, you know, in various uh, levels, but um, you know, I did. Uh, this uh, um, feature, direct-to-video, that was like the first Lego feature uh, called Clutch Powers uh, in 2008. And that kind of like, you know, rekindled my excitement for the toy. And uh, so I've been, you know, working with Lego and then also getting, you know, into the toys as well. And and uh, so I'd say it definitely came back with a, a vengeance in, since 2008. Yeah, and I guess you're you're hanging around there doing some work with them, and they're just like, "Hey, we got this little property, uh, you know, called Jurassic World. Would you want anything to do with that?" <laughs> uh, sort of. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, they, uh, you know, since we we have the, you know, the studio I work for, we have a, a good relationship with them, and so um, you know, we're constantly trying to get get more stuff to do with them, and uh, it's always it's always fun to work with them because they, you know, they're they get their jobs are to work with Lego, so yeah, <laughs> it's always a blast to to work with those guys, and you know the working within a, you know I guess the medium for lack of a better word is is a uh, you know it, it just lends itself to so much fun and humor, and it, it's it's very easy to have have a good time making these things. Yeah, you can you can tell when you're watching this uh, specifically, at least for this Jurassic World short, you can tell how much fun it must be, and uh, 
you know, all the, the quips and the, you know, the, the funny little moments throughout the short, it's really, it seems like a blast for, for you guys to make it at least. Oh yeah. Yeah. Constantly. And, and it's, it's fun because, you know, you're always just throwing out new ideas and, you know, um, they're always game to, you know, to kind of bounce ideas back and forth and, and come up with new stuff as we go along. And it's just like, whatever's making us laugh, we end up <laughs> is usually what ends up in there. Yeah, I would assume, you know, if you're, you know, you said you you picked up these books initially and, and you know, you've watched the movies. So is it make it tough kind of going in to something like this? Do you have any kind of trepidation putting your thoughts into the franchise? Um, no, because I, I think, you know, it, it comes from a place of love no matter what. So, you know, it's not like um, there's no... Um, it, we're not being mean and making fun of it. You know, it's, yeah. it's all about, you know, celebrating it and just, you know, putting it into this medium that makes it silly and, and light and fun. And, and it's nice cause it's, you know, like, you know, uh, especially for this, you know, like Jurassic world is a little bit, you know, like younger kids. It's, it's probably a little bit out of their reach cause mm-hmm. it's a little over the top. Um, and I mean, for example, you know, when we were recording uh, Bryce Ellis Howard for Jurassic World, she was thrilled that she was going to have something that her kid could see that she got to do. Um, because she's, she's like, hey, he's a little young for Jurassic World. And he might, <laughs> you know, freak out at mom running away from dinosaurs. And so, you know, it's nice that, that it's something that you can like introduce, you know, younger kids to and kind of get them excited for it without having to you know, wait for them to be old enough to see the, you know, PG-13 movies. Yeah, you know, that that does have to be tough to have a family like that and be able to, want, you know, you want to show them the stuff that you work on, but then, you know, Jurassic World is kind of brutal at times. But yeah. when you turn it over to, to Lego and you're like, all right, we got to make this a little bit more fun for everybody. And it appeals to kids and it appeals to adults. So I think that's a really great balance there. Yeah, yeah, it's it's nice. I've been getting uh, you know good reviews from all ages. <laughs> so I, you know, I have no clue. I, I know what kind of goes into directing a uh, a film or you know videos or anything like that. I have no idea what it takes to direct a Lego film. Could you like, I guess, just explain that process a little bit? Um, I mean, you know, so much of it. it it's interesting because I, I think you know Jurassic World. It wasn't um, promoting a specific toy line you know like there were toys that were out but they came out with the movie mm-hmm. and so it wasn't like uh you know we were trying to get out there like like ninjago does where it's like you know ninjago um you know the they the series is kind of built around whatever toys come out that time of year and mm-hmm. you know there's there's a little bit more of a of an angle to it and i think this one was fun because it wasn't like we were under any sort of pressure to sort of feature or anything and so it was really you know just all about the story and being able to kind of adapt that to uh to the lego world um but yeah i mean as far as the process goes it's it's pretty standard i mean we uh you know it was a little bit more detailed storyboarding than you know than most uh you know movies you know but uh you know we we really time it out in the animatic and get it as close to where we want it and then you know take that break it down into cameras and edit it you know animate it one shot at a time 
It seems like it would be, uh, you know, a lot more difficult, honestly, than a live action. Is that true, or is it just like uh, somehow easier because it's all contained? Uh, it's. I mean, it's its own. It's it's its own thing, you know. Like yeah. I, I definitely, you know, I've worked on a few uh, live action things, and uh, it's uh, it's not for me. No. <laughs> uh, you know, I the the sixteen hour day is you know outside on your feet in the sun or wherever you know it, it's it's just it's exhausting you know and that and now that was actually why like i had initially you know kind of uh veered into editing more because I, I liked you know sort of sitting with something and crafting it together and and not um not having to be outside <laughs> um and uh you know i mean I, there's certainly long days but uh you know it's a little bit more uh, regulated and contained um and then uh and then once i got into animation it was like oh i can still you know direct and and still sort of be in this this world of you know just kind of interacting with it um directly and not not really having as like a big crew and you know all these people uh, waiting for you to make a decision. Uh, it's a little bit more. It's a little bit more of a of a process unto yourself, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, you know, it's cool. It's it's different for sure. But um, I definitely prefer it to, uh, you know, being out in the sun all day. <laughs> yeah, I guess it has its uh, advantages there, so that's good. You know, this thing. Yeah, when I first turned this on, you know, a lot of things stood out to me, the comedy, the the acting and everything. But one of the things mostly is how how beautiful this thing looks. And and when you're you start off, you know, flying through in this helicopter and you you see all the different landscapes and how luscious the backgrounds are. Um but the thing is, it's filled with Lego pieces, so it's a really, really cool balance that I find there. Uh, does, is there something like an estab- established, you know, uh, library of Lego pieces that you use? How do you, how does that process come into play? Oh yeah, yeah, that's that's a big part of it. Is uh, you know, um, I think that's you know, it's it's part of the aesthetic for sure, and it's part of you know what what makes it you know a Lego uh, show. Mm-hmm. Is that you know you have those pieces and 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 what's interesting is that it it limits you in, in a sort of, in a way, but it also kind of fuels your creativity because you have to be like oh well how would we turn this set you know like from the film into a set that works in Lego and um, there's a lot of uh, you know you can only make pieces so small you know it's it's only it's a the reducible size is a one by one brick and mm-hmm. you know you can't go any smaller than that so you know your sort of fine details have to be you know a little bit more creative with how you do it and um and it's kind of the fun thing about it too is going like well you know how do we recreate this shape or this you know this something of this scale while still using these these bricks and um there's this amazing program called uh uh, LeoCAD, which is basically a Lego CAD program, hmm. and it has every brick <laughs> that has ever existed. Wow! <laughs> to an almost absurd degree, <laughs> that sometimes it's like it's it's as hard as like digging through a a bucket of bricks to find oh, the right man, one. I'm you're, sure. you're kind of skimming through this thing, and you 
and sometimes you'll go, oh, like maybe this is what it's called, and and then you kind of type it in. You're like, oh no, that's not it. And then after you after you use it for a while, you find out like, oh, you you kind of learn the names and the lingo, and and you get a better understanding of how you know they the terminology works. But it makes it a lot easier to you know like you're you're basically just building something out of Lego with with these um, yeah. like virtually, and um, so that's how we build everything. And, you know, I, uh, our, uh, prop designer and, you know, model maker, um, you know, he and I would just kind of go over, uh, these, these sets and I'd be like, okay, um, I think, you know, I'll, I'll look for some pieces and then I would, you know, send him names of things. And I was like, I think this will work for this thing. And so it was kind of an interesting, like, you know, virtual Lego building session um, but, uh, but yeah, it's cool. I mean, it, it's what makes, it's what makes it Lego, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So not it has only to, has to have those pieces. Yeah. Not only are you designing or directing a film, but you're also, you know, designing, I guess your own Lego pieces and your own Lego, uh, you know, little figures and things here and there. So it's really funny to see all that put together in one single environment that does look so realistic at times, but also has these, these pieces there. It's, it's really, really awesome to hear how this comes to together. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's an interesting process and, you know, I mean, it's, it's something that sort of gets easier over time and, you know, just, but then you discover new challenges and Mm -hmm. it's like basically starting over from scratch almost every time too. I could see it being pretty fun, you know, to build this stuff, you know, to figure out what goes where and to, to, you know, build the models. But also at the same time, like you said, it is kind of like, you know, digging through a giant container of these Legos, like needle in a haystack trying to find stuff at times. Yeah. If there, if there's like one thing and you're like, I know that this is what I need. (laughs) And then, you know, it's just like if you had a, had the toys in front of you. I guess so for the production of this, how much hands-on do you have when it comes to the voice acting in particular? You mentioned Bryce and her being happy about, uh, you know, having something her kid can see. So so what is it about yeah. the voice acting that you have uh, a hand on? Uh, well, it's it's one of the things I, I, I really love doing. And, um, you know, I, I like, you know, usually like when I, you know, read the script, I kind of, you know, get... Um, a bunch of different ideas for like alternate lines or different ways to read it. And so I, you know, I, I, I come to the voiceover sessions, you know, kind of knowing exactly what I want, but also, you know, really knowing what, you know, how to get new and cool things from, uh, from the, the voice talent. And, um, so I, I really love, uh, directing the voiceover and, you know, um, Bryce was amazing. Uh, she was so good it was so so natural uh for her uh and you know it was so fun for her because she she was like i always wanted to do this and i never get to do this (laughs) uh so she had a blast um you know we have uh you know our usual uh you know rogues gallery of of voiceover people that we use as well but i mean you know you saw we, we try to get as many people uh from the film as we could and um so you know, it was it was fun working with them uh, to to kind of go, hey, hey, you know, just because we're we're doing this thing, we, we'd love to have you do it, and and they were as many of them as were game we could get. So um, you know, we got uh, um, BD Wong and uh, Jake Johnson and all them, and so it, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, it, 
it's just I, I like doing that part a lot. Yeah, it must have been really cool to bring you know back some of the Jurassic World live action actors. You know, when when I saw their names pop up on the credits, I'm like, you know, some of them actually you can tell right away, and uh, some you couldn't. So when I saw the uh, credits at the end, I'm like, oh wow, that's awesome. You, you know, you got those guys back and her and him, and and uh, even before we we saw this, we're we're debating in the trailers like whose yeah, whose voice I, is that? I, I, I listened to that. <laughs> it was so funny how like you. you you guys kept going, kind of going back and forth, like yeah, no, it's her, and then no, it's definitely her, and and it was funny because like I mean, it, like when I, I listened to it, I was like, I I think it just sounds you know like her just cranked up, like yeah. Um, did you see her her Black Mirror episode? You know, I haven't gotten a chance to yet. It's it's really funny because like she her attitude in that kind of reminded me of like when we interacted with her she's <laughs> so, she is so like bubbly and yeah and, and happy and friendly and and so you know her her laugh was very infectious um because she was just having such a great time um but yeah do, doing the voices is, is a lot of fun especially when uh when they tell you stories from the production yeah, that's got to be awesome to interact with them and, and have them in a new circumstance. And I, I'm sure it's it's probably short lived because, you know, a lot of them are, are pretty busy. And, you know, I don't know really how long it takes to do all that. But, uh, you know, some of the I think Jake Johnson and Lauren Lapkus and even maybe even B.D. Wong had really short roles in this. So it's interesting to see them come back as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Jake Johnson's was was particularly interesting because uh, he was recording or he was filming his show at the time and he only had like like a 20 minute break or a 20 minute window <laughs> and so uh me and uh the sound engineer had to like set up a laptop in an office on the fox lot and just wait for him and then wait for that window and then he came in <laughs> and i think he has like what two three lines like yeah it's something short you know, it was so and it was so quick and he was he was like all right are we done i was like yeah i don't i don't need anything else you know <laughs> so you know it was like he was just in he said it, and he left and it was it always reminds me that the simpsons with a uh, crusty the clown <laughs> when he, he he comes in and he like reads his lines off the card and he leaves and then the guy camera pans over and the guy's like setting up to record and he's like oh crusty <laughs> <laughs> like he did it so quick, but it, it all it, it just very, it really much very much felt like that. Yeah. Oh God, that's great. I, I'm sure it was a pleasure to work with all those people. Um, what I think one of the ones that I was mostly shocked about was it looks like we see Zachary Levi in there, and I assume it's the Zachary Levi from Chuck and Thor. Is that is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Um, he uh, he's sort of like a, a friend of the studio, and when we needed a, a funny voice for the hot dog guy uh, he was kind of our, our first choice so um he was uh in new york at the time and so i had to direct him over the phone which was a little difficult because there's a lot of screaming and you know yelling and running around and stuff and um he was doing a show on broadway and we we heard oh, like i think right i, I, think I was, saw that show <laughs> oh yeah yeah um he uh he was he right before we recorded they said um he can't do any screaming mm. and i was like there's nothing but screaming <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> you know like 
And so we had to, we basically just limited it to as few takes as we could. Um, oh, but wow. he was a, he was a total sport and I, I don't think his Broadway show suffered for it, but no. you know, it was, it was, a uh, it was pretty funny to get that, that note beforehand and be like, Oh no, how are we going to do this? But he was great. Uh, you know, he, he was one of those guys where he, there was so little direction to give because he was doing so well. Like each time it would be, he would give, he would read a line and be like, that's perfect. You know, I don't, I don't really need much else. Um, and then, uh, and I don't think we ever had to go back to him for ADR or anything. Cause he was, he nailed it. Yeah. But, he, uh, he's a pro. I mean, he's got tangled Lunder's belt. So he, uh, yeah. you know, he's probably used to this situation. <laughs> totally. And he was, he was hilarious. Oh, he, yeah, he is, he is awesome. I loved him and everything he's been in so far. Chuck was like one of my favorite shows back when that was on. And, uh, like I said, I, I went to see him on Broadway, so he's got a great singing voice as well. So yeah. he seems like an awesome dude. So it's awesome to see him, you know, you know, get involved here in, in the Jurassic franchise as well. It's not somebody I would have expected to see. Yeah. Yeah. No, he was, it was, I was really glad that he was able to do it. So I guess for the, uh, the reoccurring characters from the film, uh, some of the some of the act, uh, you know attributes of these characters are a little bit different than they are in the film. So how do you balance that, you know, uh, correctly to get them to seem more Lego in this versus their live action counterparts? Oh, it's uh, it's all about turning it up to eleven. You know, <laughs> like it just has to be the the most you know ridiculous form of of whatever is trying to be done in the movie, like. You know, I I tried to make Owen as you know unflappable and <laughs> you know over the top as possible. I think, um, uh, oh, uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Hoskins. Oh you know, yeah, it was that that one was <laughs> that one was easy. It's just like make him like this crazy, you know, shell shocked <laughs> guy. Because I mean, you know, um, uh, you know, Vincent D'Onofrio plays that part so big. Mm-hmm. In the movie, you know, it's almost like, how, how do you even top that? Yeah, yeah. He, he's so crazy in the movie. <laughs> um, and so, you know, it's just, yeah, it's just a matter of, you know, making it as, as big and, and ridiculous as possible. And I think, uh, you know, we got uh, Fred Tattashore to do Hoskins. And he, he, he was like, I got it. I totally get what you're doing. You know, and so it, it was it was very easy once we kind of figured out like it's just he's he's totally like he's been in the jungle too long. Yeah. He's just kinda of like lost his mind and he was like, Yeah, yeah, let's do it and so he he was he was one of the more more fun characters to play with because you were able to kind of take him to such an extreme because you were already starting at such an extreme. Yeah, I think that character cracked me up probably the most out of all of them. He must have been just the most fun to produce, you know, from the introduction of him just, you know, scouring through the the jungle looking for basically anything to shoot and he comes upon right. the right. the hot dog man pre-hot dog costume and everything. It's so funny. Yeah, no, he he's he's such a uh uh I don't know, it was such a strange like I remember just reading it the first time and being like this is a weird place to take this guy, <laughs> but I like it. <laughs> no, it's a good call because like you said, he is so over the top. He's basically like almost kind of like mustache twirling villainous oh, kind of yeah. guy in Jurassic World. So you got to go somewhere from there. Yeah, and that's what that's what makes it you know so great is that 
you know, you add that sort of craziness onto a Lego character and, you know, just it's immediately silly and funny. Yeah. Do you have a favorite scene or moment from this short in particular? Um, the part that I still laugh at is when the, uh, the little dinosaur with the big T-Rex head. Oh, yeah. When it, like, <laughs> flops its head into the dish and it's licking up the water and its little tail wags. Yeah. It's perfect. It, 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 I was so happy. I think that, that might have been the first pass of animation on it, too, and it was just, like, changed nothing. It's perfect. It was, it was so funny. And I think, you know, part of it is, like, the, the sound and how it it how much it disturbs owen and it, all of those things i think come perfect come together perfectly in that in that one moment and i it's the part that even when if i'm showing it to, to a friend or something it still makes me laugh yeah i think i think that's a good one because just as a whole that whole scene you know from the dilophosaurus with like the crazy you know backwards body and everything and it's so funny that those those you know messed up hybrids and uh, and also, have you seen the um, the the short that's on the DVD? You know, I haven't yet. I haven't. Uh, I'm kind of uh, waiting around for Christmas. Hopefully, I get that on my list here. <laughs> you should, yeah, definitely check that out because I there's there's a lot of stuff in that one I, that I really like because yeah. I, I feel like that that one was was very fun because uh, it was um, it it was a little more um, it was removed from the film. We weren't as beholden to the storyline, okay. you know, mm-hmm. and so. It, it was just sort of like it, it felt very uh, Looney Tunes to me, and or or like uh, Tiny Tunes uh, specifically. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know how, um, you know, how, like like in Tiny Tunes, they were always kind of like, you know, uh, mocking Hollywood and mm-hmm. and and making these references to like you know movies from the '40s, but it was like playing to this audience of kids that <laughs> you know yeah. had no idea, no clue. And uh, you know, I feel like that was like how I was first exposed to like casablanca was you know oh, them yeah, making yeah. fun of it on on you know tiny tunes yeah. and stuff <laughs> so it, like it it when I, I think when i was making it it was like oh i was kind of like bringing up like that um sensibility a lot more um or even like animaniacs kind of had that too there was a lot of like old, old hollywood and so there's a there's a little bit of that in the in the short that um i i really i, I enjoy a lot so I guess since we're talking about some of the more ridiculous moments, we we finally figured out what is like the catalyst for the Indominus Rex. So I I've been wondering this whole time, how did hot dogs have such a you know a huge role in this uh, Lego short? It's so funny from the hot dog man you know, to the hot dog you know trail and everything. It's it's yeah, great. I uh, I I wish I knew. You know, <laughs> I think that was that was in uh, in the script when it came to me. And um, I remember thinking the same thing. It was like, <laughs> "What? What is? What is going on here?" And um, but it, but it's funny. And so, like, I didn't really question it that much. Um, you know, I think maybe part of it had to do with the fact that there was that hot dog man Lego minifigure already. Okay. And somebody was just like, "I, I want to do something with that." Just build, yeah. Yeah, and so you know, I mean, it. it there's even more hot dog stuff in the in the short as well. So it's so funny, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's funny. I mean, saying hot dog is funny. So 
you know, it, it, you, you kind of can't lose. <laughs> yeah, I love it because it's like that. It's like the, you know, the secret pill that made the thing, you know, you know, change, uh, you know, its skin a little bit. And then it's chasing yeah. it that chasing down the hot dog man. And it, it's just, you know, the perfect, you know, uh, humor, I guess, for this uh, type of film. And it's and it's nice that it actually, you know, ties into the story very well. And it's mm-hmm. not just, you know. A, a point of humor it, it it has it has impact on on the characters and the events of the story which makes it you know that much more fun i think yeah you know i i don't know how you do it because the four drastic films that we have are are very serious in tone there's not a ton of comedy there is a little bit here and there but you know it's got to be tough i guess to build uh you know a comical short based off such you know serious messages um, yeah, yes and no. I mean, I think that anything that takes itself seriously, it's, it's easy to, you know, yeah, take a little bit of the, pre- bit. of the, you know, uh, take a little bit of the pressure off of it. And, and, uh, it, it makes it, it's not like, I would say something that's like rife for parody, but you know, it's, it's nice that when it's something that you're familiar with and you enjoy, you, you can, you can always poke humor at mm-hmm. anything, Yeah, you know? Yeah, you know, you see it a lot in the even in the games specifically. Like a lot of the games tend to follow the entire storyline like of all movies, you know, whether it's Jurassic Park or Indiana Jones or Star Wars, and mm-hmm. they they really do poke fun at all those different attributes that could be serious in a in a live action film and and really, you know, take it to the next level like you said. Yeah, and then but you know what's really fun about the games and I I I never play the Jurassic park one i watched some of the the videos a little bit um but you know i i think they they do such a great job of like still honoring the action of the of the movies so well and um and that's one of the fun things about those games is that you know they the action is always like top notch mm-hmm. um and they really honor the the style of the uh the films and and the the feeling from the films and um, yeah, I think I was watching like s- some of it on uh, YouTube. You know, some people put just you know full playthroughs of it, and mm-hmm. like the scene where uh, the kids are in the back of the truck and the dinosaurs are chasing them, and, and from from Jurassic World, and uh, how that just got extended into this like you know massive level. Um, it's just it's really cool how they're able to like take those those moments that in the movie are you know maybe two minutes or something, and they expand it into this big thing and. That's what's really fun about those games, I think. Yeah, I guess without going into spoilers too much for people who haven't seen the short, um, kind of like you're talking about, about expanding and building off of that, the source material for Jurassic World is obviously, like we've been talking about, so different than the Indominus Escape short. Um, so I guess how do you uh, decide your own direction when it comes to this kind of process or, or project? Do you because uh, you, you definitely do things a lot differently. The outcomes are different. The characters are different at times. So how does that source material, I guess, affect the development of this project? Um, I mean, it, it does and it doesn't. You know, I mean, you, you try not to be too beholden to it because then otherwise, what's the point? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think if you take, you know, the, the seed of what makes it fun, what makes it, you know, entertaining, you know, you can turn that on its head and, and just make it work for you know for a, a, a much shorter story 
Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> you, you really have to, you know, pare it down to its most like most basic elements. Um, but then also, you know, um, it has to work for the humor as well. And so, um, it, it's, I think it's just a matter of like, you know, paring it down to its most basic, basic, basic element. And then, you know, using that structure to, you know, have jokes and, and, um, and fun action and still, you know, honor it without being, you know, slavishly beholden to the source material. Yeah, you can tell, uh, you know, when you describe it that way, that you're just taking it at its most basic element, because that's really what happened in Jurassic World. They had, you know, they needed to make a hybrid. The hybrid broke out and they fixed the situation at the end. Maybe it came about a little bit differently and less hot dogs were involved in the movie. But, you know, it's essentially the same thing. So, well, like my my rule of thumb for for any of these and, you know, for any that I work on in the future, for sure, is, you know, like I like to imagine it's like a little kid who's seen the movie, he has the toys, and he's retelling the story, but maybe he gets some details wrong. Or maybe he has a figure from another set that, you know, he wants to add to the mix. Or, you know, like, it kind of takes the pressure off when you kind of go, oh, like, if that's the limit of what the rules are, then anything goes as long as you're kind of still within that structure of, like, you're aware of the story. Mm Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Oh, perfectly, because that's just the way it is. There's no other way to explain it. You know, when you're young, you're playing with whether it's a Lego toy or, or something else. It's you're playing with multiple sets of different things and, you know, using everything around you to kind of create your own world. Right. So, you know, you have your Owen figure and your, you know, Claire figure and you have a hot dog, man. You got to figure out how they <laughs> They interact, you know. Exactly. I guess did you did you have input? I guess uh, during the writing process, then. Um, yeah, a bit. Um, I uh, I think I had done kind of a quick pass and and you know changed a few lines here and there, or, or you know added added a, a line. Um, that whole uh, Lowry and um, Vivian scene. Uh, originally, I think. Only Lowry had the line, you got it. You know, it was just them in the computer room. Claire comes in and starts talking, and she says, you got it. And I was like, we have to give these guys some lines. Yeah. Because they were so funny in the movie. Um, And so I wanted to give them, like, a weird little non sequitur and, (laughs) you know, like, have it be, have it kind of play off that, that, you know, unrequited love thing from, from the film, which mm-hmm. was my favorite part of the film. Uh, and, uh, and, and just kind of honor that rather than just have them be like these kind of cameos that you don't really, uh, honor their, their, their role in the, in the films at all. And so, so I, I came up with that, that little bit about the, the spicy versus, <laughs> I forget what it was. <laughs> One's more spicy and the other one uses more herbal ingredients and, and her just kind of going, Oh, whatever, you know? (laughs) And, uh, it's perfect. You know, it just needed to be like, like something that, you know, you didn't, it need, you needed no context for it. It just needed to be like a, like a total non sequitur. And so they, they let me put that in and which was great. And then, um, 
I think the other one that I had changed was um, when Wu was talking about DNA, and he said the he originally said the building blocks of life, and I said it should be building bricks because it's it's Lego, and so you know little things like that. I you know I'm able to kind of go. I I think this would be more funny if we did did this thing, and um, the executive producer was was game. I would say nine times out of ten. Nice. So so you know. I guess when you bring it all the way to the top, Colin Trevorrow, uh, you know, directed Jurassic World, and he's basically re-envisioning this franchise. So did he have any kind of input on this project? Um, I, I know that he was at least, you know, privy to it, and they were sending him, you know, cuts as we were going. Um, and for the most part, we would just kind of get the thumbs up from Universal, and and we would just keep moving forward. And so I'm, I'm assuming that, you know, he at least never had a problem with anything. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there was one note that we got where he had us, you know, change a, a read on a, on a couple lines. And, and so we had, you know, some ADR uh, at one point. But uh, that, w- that was really it. You know, every, everything else, I think, I mean, I'm assuming that he just loved it. So <laughs> that's I, what I'm you got to do. I'm just, I'm just going to leave it at that. I, you know, I, I, let's, let's not uh, assume it was anything less than total, total entertainment. Yeah. He's, he's enamored with you right now. He loves it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm sure he's, he's stalking me on Twitter right now. <laughs> so I, you know, this, this Lego brand, it appeals to people of all ages. Um, and like we've been talking about, it does kind of appeal to everybody, but with the Indominus Escape, who specifically are you looking to, I guess, uh, market this towards? Well, I mean, you know, I, I, I guess like the first person I'm trying to, you know, entertain is myself. Because <laughs> if, if I'm not liking it, then, you know, I'm not going to be able to make it uh-huh. something that, that I enjoy and am proud of. So, you know, I, I definitely come at it with that approach and and you know i think if you if you're doing something that you're proud of and happy with you know other people will hopefully find it that way too um i mean you know that said you still have to sort of you know keep in mind that it's for kids Mm -hmm. um you know i can't put in any uh you know horror movie references or anything (laughs) uh but you know, I, I think I think it's very easy to to you know sort of if you if you start going well, what are these people going to think? What are you know those people going to think? I think that you know you second guess yourself and and you compromise the quality of, of what you're trying to do. Um, so I think that you know if if you if you build it, they will come in a way. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. um, and I think what what's nice is that this is something that that does appeal to you know, all ages because it can appeal to little kids that have no context and have never seen Jurassic Park, Jurassic World, any of the movies. And, um, and then can, you know, just kind of jump in and enjoy it. And then, you know, people that have seen all of them and and are are hardcore fans and, and they get all the jokes and, and, and all that. But I mean, you know, kind of to the same, uh, point as, uh, you know, Tiny Toons and Animaniacs was, I mean, they were making references to things left and right that, you know, people hadn't thought about for 20 years, mm-hmm. let alone, you know, really been that influenced by. And um, I think it's, they were just making themselves laugh. 
And so I think if you if you make yourself laugh, you know, somebody else is going to enjoy it. Yeah, I don't you can't just specifically, you know, aim for a certain demographic nowadays. You kind of have to hit all the marks and and uh, bring in a wider audience, I guess. Yeah, I mean, to an extent. I mean, it's definitely the, you know, trying to get that what was it four quads mm, movie yeah. out there and blah blah blah. Um but um I mean, it's I I'm certainly a fan of movies that are not four quadrant films, but I also, you know, I go see every Marvel movie and, <laughs> you know, I'm counting the hours till Star Wars. So, oh, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's, uh, you know, it, there's, there's a reason that those movies have broad appeal. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, uh, one of the things that stood out specifically to me, um, I'm a big fan of the, the music of these films, uh, all four of them. Now we do hear Michael Giacchino's music here, you know, on display. Is it? Uh, it and it, it is different actually than it appears in the movie. So I thought that was really interesting. The the way you you use the the music here versus how they use it in the movie. Um, is it really awesome to just have this score, you know, at your disposal for this uh, Lego short? Oh man, it, I I don't know how we could have done it if we didn't have <laughs> that specific score. I mean. Um, you know that that said, uh, you know, I my uh, my composers, the Worst Brothers, have been working with for eight years now, and they um, they're fantastic, and they they really did they did a lot of work on this. Um, like I had I had edited the Michael Giacchino score into the animatic, and we cut to it the whole time, and um, but you know, there's a lot of times where it's like, oh, we have to you know, cut this one short or, you know, um, go from one thing to the next, you know, and it was very unnatural because maybe, I mean, I think our, our animatic was probably closer to like 28 minutes. And I think Mm -hmm. the final thing got down to like 24. And, um, so, you know, that's a lot of tightening and a lot of, you know, moving, you know, a shot out here and there. And, um, you know, that throws off your music timing. So you'll have something that, you know, personally, like my process, I try to not put in music until the last possible second. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't want to try to cut to music. I want the music to kind of fall in with, with what's been cut. Okay. And so, you know, like a lot of times, like there, there was, I'm trying to remember which piece it was. Um, it might have been the, the part where the where they're chasing the Indominus. I just remember like working on that for a while and dropping the music in, and it worked like perfectly. It's just <laughs> like, oh, this is. I'm so glad, you know. But yeah. then then you start tightening it up, and then you cut cut like you know a few bars out here and there, and suddenly things are kind of skipping. And so, mm-hmm. um, they were able to to go back and and kind of massage it out and and bring in some transitions. But I mean, it you can't not have that that score in there i think it it really made the movie what it was yeah i agree it's becoming iconic i think to the fans and it it's you know maybe it's not to the level of john williams just yet for everybody but i think it is up there and uh personally it's one of these things like once i downloaded that um initially i probably didn't stop listening to it for like a few months it, it's it's really awesome stuff and and i love like listening to scores so it's it was perfect for me well, and you know what's really funny is um, I uh, 
I think I my I was so familiar with the score that I had kind of, you know, divorced it from the film. And so when I started cutting with the score, you know, I got so familiar with like how how the music worked with the the Lego piece and everything and now if Jurassic World is on TV and I watch some of it, I'm like, oh, this music. It's it, wrong. It, it doesn't feel right here, you know? Like, wow, that's it, it awesome. It really, like, throws me off. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I do a lot of, you know, editing and stuff like that, too, and I put music to it. And, yeah, you definitely, you know, have memories of that moment and how it was edited and, and what you put together versus the way, you know, maybe it was in the source material. So I... I fully get that that's that's awesome and yeah i love the way it was used i thought it was really interesting it was there it did sound like there was a few other cues and different things in there right yeah yeah the 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 worst brothers yeah. they they um they they dropped in a few few cues and, and they actually they scored almost the entire um uh short um because that needed uh some light uh more humorous music which was somewhat lacking in the uh, Jurassic World score. Um, <laughs> but uh but they were they're they're perfect for that kind of stuff and and um it it worked out very very well and they they, they definitely made it like 10 times better than if I, if it had just been the score it wouldn't have really felt right. Um, and they they smoothed all that over. Nice. So, you know, once this is all done, you've directed it, you've edited stuff. How, do you actually or I guess how much input do you have on that final product after it gets passed around through to, uh, you know, uh, all the, uh, upper management? Um, I, I mean, I work on it all the way to the end. It's, it's really, I, I think it's not common, I think in, in the animation world, um, that, you know, you, you kind of work on every aspect. Like, you know, I mean, I, I cut the animatic and, and, uh, you know, direct the voiceover and, and, uh, you know, direct the animation. And, and I think a lot of times that's like three or four different jobs. Um, and usually like whoever's, you know, cut the animatic has already moved on to another animatic. And it's, I, I really, I, I enjoy and I take pride in, in, you know, following through with the whole thing. It feels that much more personal, uh, to me. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I was there in color correction and final sound mix and just, I, I, I wouldn't have it any other way. So I'm kind of winding down here with my questions, and uh, I wanted to touch on one last thing before we go. And uh, this is at the end of the short. We get a glimpse at the the final hybrid um, Indominus Rex. Uh, so I was wondering, since it seemed like a cliffhanger, do you think there's any chance that the Jurassic you know World Lego uh, you know world will be brought to life again in the future? I I, I wish I knew. Uh, um... I, I'd love to get to do another one. Um, I think this one was, was a lot of fun. Um, I mean, I guess we'll have to sort of gauge what the response was to this one and then, you know, what the response is to the next film. And, and uh, you know, we'll, I guess we'll, we'll go from there because we'll, we'll have to at least have something to sort of, you know, uh, mimic uh, yeah. before we can move forward, I think. <laughs> but... Um, but yeah, I, I'd, I'd love to do another one, and uh, I guess who knows what, what the story would be, but hopefully we'll bring we'll uh, figure out a way to bring Hot Dog Man in there. Oh, yeah, you can't you can't leave him on the on the cutting room floor. you got to bring him well, back if that's yeah. the case. <laughs> Maybe he'll be running Jurassic World. 
Yeah, I, all right. I think we should just iron out the story right here, right? I mean, yeah. it's it's Hot Dog Man's story. That's the he, sequel. He takes over. He, <laughs> he stages a coup, and uh, he starts running uh, Jurassic World. I mean, <laughs> that, that's where you start. Or 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 that could be the story is you know, yeah, uh, I, Hot Dog Man taking over. <laughs> I fully expect to see this in the next live action film. So I, uh, you know, I'm. I'm recording this so it's all out there for everybody to hear right <laughs> yeah now the lego movie will be it's... influencing the next film yes. and yeah I, I like it yes well uh you know thank you so much i guess for uh, for coming on here and uh taking the time to talk about this i want to direct people to find you or find your work so where can they uh find you at um i well i, I the biggest thing available right now is uh is this um you know I, i've done some other Le- lego projects in the past uh the the lego star wars empire strikes out i uh, did a few years ago and um i guess just keep an eye out it uh, looks like we'll have a few more things coming out in the future well thank you so much for coming on and uh hopefully in the future we get to talk to you again here Yeah, I hope we get to do a Jurassic World 2 Lego version. Definitely. We'll talk to you then. All right, sounds good. Make sure to visit JurassicParkPodcast.com to find all our past episodes, brand new news articles, information on how to contact us, and much more. It's a great source for everything related to the podcast, and of course, Jurassic Park and Jurassic World. Head to JurassicParkPodcast.com and help us build a great community. Anybody hear that? Thanks for listening to the 78th episode of the Jurassic Park Podcast. A huge thanks to director Michael D. Black. I really enjoyed talking to him about creating that Lego Jurassic short film. The process is something that really interests me, so it's cool to hear the details that went into making it. Hopefully we'll talk to him again soon and learn more about his upcoming projects. Please don't forget to listen to Grim Grinning Host episode last week and the Rogue One analysis this week, and also the I Know Dino episode from last week. All three were a blast to record, so go check them out. Don't forget about the promo code we are running with the Franklin Institute for Jurassic World, the exhibition. Enter the code J-W-G-E-N-E-R for $5 off daytime adult admission tickets. Head to our website for a direct link and more information on the promo code. Don't forget to share the code with your family and friends. Tell them where you got it and let us know when you use it. If you want to interact with us, we do most of our work over on Twitter at Jurassic Park Pod. We're also on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Jurassic Park Podcast and our Instagram handle is at Jurassic Park Podcast. You can listen to us via iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Podomatic, YouTube, our website, or wherever else podcasts are found. So make sure to subscribe to automatically get new episodes every week. If you haven't already, please give us a five-star review on iTunes or a great review wherever you listen to the podcast. It will seriously help out our rankings and make it easier for fans like you to find us. Don't forget to check out JurassicParkPodcast.com for all the links you heard here today. If you want to get a hold of us, you can email us with any news stories, MP3s, comments, 
Or if you want to debut a segment of your own, send them to JurassicParkPod at gmail.com. Or you could submit questions directly on our website contact form. If you'd like to record something for the show, send it in to us and we'll feature it in an upcoming episode. If you don't have any way to record, you can give our voicemail line a call and leave us a message. That number is 732-825-7763. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Enjoy.